You know, it's interesting. Just before I came on, as I was setting up, adverts were coming up on YouTube. It was extraordinary. Almost every advert that I saw was someone telling me how almost instantaneously and miraculously I could transform my life and turn myself into a world leader <laughs> or someone with abundant wealth and untold happiness. It did make me laugh, you know. Um, you know, not even the Buddha, who was probably the most talented and fortunate human being, or one of them, to ever appear on this planet, suddenly <laughs> transformed his life. You know, I apologize if I'm not offering you something quite as sensational as what might be on offer <laughs> on the internet these days. But you know, I've been a yogi for the best part of 30 years, and I've worked hard at it. And I can tell you, my friends, you get out what you put in. Now, there are most definitely roadblocks that we can remove that can create a quantum shift in our state of well-being. This is true. Hopefully, in the next few weeks, we will discover those big roadblocks and see if we can't hurdle them or move them out of the way completely. That is where we can have big shifts in our state of well-being and our state of being in general. But most of what is holding us back in life are layers of conditioning that it took us time to accumulate and they pull on us powerfully. And the process by which to free ourselves of the suffering that they have created is the process of gradually convincing ourselves and then creating a willingness to actually let go. And that doesn't necessarily happen immediately. So the path that I'm sharing with you is a progressive path by which you get out the fruit in return to the seeds that you sow. Your own endeavor frees you in stages of suffering, mental and physical. The results are the results of your endeavor. I cannot do it for you. No teacher can do it for you. As the Buddha said, we work out our own freedom in stages. Diligently. I'm here to help you explain, sorry, help you understand how it is that we get ourselves into such a muddle that our life isn't everything that it could be, to help you understand what you can do to change that. Being told what you can do, being told that you could be this extraordinary being, is empowering. But it doesn't turn you into that. I want to help you find the way that you can actually turn yourself into that. So, let's embrace the idea that there are profound changes that we can bring about in our physical well-being and our mental well-being. All of them are achievable if I'm willing to put forward the effort that is necessary to bring them about.
Now, this does not mean that you have to grit your teeth and slay yourself into shape. No. We have to work diligently with enthusiasm and a willingness to do some things that might be uncomfortable at times. But we have to work gently and consistently and patiently in such a way that deep and lasting changes come about. And this is what I want to help you do. You know, I was listening on Insight Timer um, a couple of weeks ago. I went on out of interest just to see what's out there in this meditation field. There are no end of meditations that will tell you to meditate through your body, scanning your body. Not one of them that I heard gave a single instruction on how to refine the quality of that mind that paid attention to the body. The healing mechanism is the quality of the mind that pays attention, not the fact that you are trying to relax in your left brain or in your right brain or in your throat or in your heart or trying to feel there. There are a tremendous number of conditioning factors that govern the quality of the mind that we apply to our experience. It is the quality of not just the conscious but the unconscious mind that we bring to bear upon our experience experience that determines what we take from that experience. That can be an impulse that creates discomfort or even pain or an impulse that creates ease and even physical pleasure, even bliss within us. It can be an impulse that creates mental affliction or it can be an impulse that creates a sense of ease, joy, and happiness. Simply to meditate within your body alone is not going to profoundly change a lifetime of accumulative tendencies. The work we have to do is to dig out at the root those deep impulses that mean we do not get everything out of our experience, that might mean that we are adding something to our experience that turns it into suffering when it doesn't need to be. Most of our suffering is mental affliction. It is not physical pain. Occasionally, we experience physical pain. Even within physical pain, most of the suffering associated with physical pain is the mental affliction of our inability to bear or accept. So, we can do tremendous things to change the ease that we experience within the body, the quality of our physical experience. There may be physical discomfort we cannot avoid, but we can remove the mental affliction associated with it so that the only hardship we have to bear at a physical level is the discomfort of things that we cannot change. 
But mental affliction can be ended completely by changing the way we habitually engage in our experience. So I could start this morning, right now, I could get you to relax, I could show you how to breathe nicely, and I could show you how to meditate through your body so that in this moment you might experience some ease or an uplift in your state of being. But when you get up off your cushion and you stop your meditation or you stop doing your breathing practice, all those unconscious tendencies that you've accumulated through your life remain intact and off you go applying them to your daily experience again. Until we find ourselves in a muddle once more and have to come back to the cushion to put ourselves back together again. And we do our breath work, and we meditate through the body, and we lie down, and we relax, or we do our nidra practice, or whatever it is that just washes away momentarily the cumulative tension or affliction that we might be carrying, only to go and acquire it again. <laughs> so, of course, we're not practicing all day long every day. We want to be able to get on with our life in our ordinary moments and make sure that in those moments we aren't afflicting ourselves or accumulating things that are going to produce future affliction. Only 10% of your experience is going on in your conscious field of perception. Most of it is unknown to you. It is in your unconscious. We are reacting to things with aversion, with craving, with anxiety, worry, or enthusiasm. We are unconsciously reacting in ways we do not recognize even if we're practicing mindfulness in such a way that we are creating turbulence within ourselves that is accumulative and which gradually brings about a feeling of dis-ease within us. It is that habitual way of reacting to everything that goes on that adds the charge that impedes the flow of life within us, that means our body atrophies as we get older, over and above the inevitable process of aging. I want to teach you how to remove atrophy from your system so that we just grow old gracefully. We are going to drop off our perch at some point. We don't last forever. That's life. But we do not need to suffer unnecessary decay on account of the interference that we added to an extraordinarily intelligent process that is life. Most creatures on this planet die of old age or get eaten. They do not suffer years and years of chronic degenerative ill health because they do not have this what I heard somebody calling on one of these promises to turn you into like a world-changing leader advert only yesterday. 
the crowning jewel of all creation, the human frontal cortex. It is because they do not have such a frontal cortex, <laughs> or such an elaborately evolved one, that most creatures do not interfere with their experience to the point that they make themselves unwell. Us, in our extraordinary ingenuity, interfere at no end in our experience to the point that the muddle we get into creates no end of suffering. You do not see animals in nature developing chronic degenerative conditions. Now, I am not denying that many, many of our illnesses these days as humans are the result of the extraordinarily unhealthy and unnatural environment that we live in. Most definitely our environmental factors have a huge impact upon us. But even that, we choose increasingly to live in an unnatural environment, disconnected from nature. That is a big part of the atrophy, atrophying conditions that we surround ourselves with. I do not deny it. We will look at it. I do not deny that it is important to nourish yourself well through what you eat. Of course, if you do not eat suitably to nourish your body and give you the energy that you need to do the things you're trying to do, you will struggle. So our diet is enormously important. But I'm not here to help you address those issues. We will look at them. Inform yourselves about nourishing yourselves and living suitably in an appropriate and healthy environment. We'll touch on that. But I'm here to help you understand the environment that you create internally 24 hours of every single day through the constant arising of your own mind within your body. That is the biggest single conditioning factor in your life. And if we don't get that right, it doesn't matter how well we eat or how much time we try and spend in nature. If we are living in internal turmoil, we are still going to make ourselves unwell. There is no amount of extraordinarily nourishing food that is going to heal the misinformation and the disruption that we create with our mind. They are two different factors. The things that your mind does to your body, your food does not. So there are sicknesses that we just cannot heal by taking nutriment. Now, all medicine is nutriment. It works at a certain level within the body, which we will explore. Consciousness works at another level in the body. The mechanisms that it impacts and conditions are not the same mechanism that our food impacts, which means there are conditions, chronic and degenerative, and many of them, that are not created by insufficiency of nutrition, 
and therefore cannot be healed or transformed or removed completely, regardless of what nutrition you take. You may take something that will help your body cope with the atrophy that your mind is creating, but you will not remove that atrophy, whatever you take, however you nourish yourself, if you do not remove the atrophying quality of your own mind. It is the elephant in the room, my friends, the fact that we have explored so exhaustively the way the physiology of this body functions with regard to nutrition and left a gaping black hole in our understanding of what consciousness itself does to the way in which we are functioning. And it is this black hole that I want to help you fill in so you understand for yourself how important it is that you don't let your mind just run riot and havoc within you. Or at least if you do it and you feel unwell, you understand why. So that you understand what you can do to change the biggest conditioning factor in your life. Your mind is the quality of your life. And at a deep level, the quality of your body is the quality of your mind, as well as the quality of what you eat and the environment you are in. So, we're going to explore what happens in that moment that we consciously apprehend our experience. Whatever that experience is, why is it? that something in that moment of being does something to me that has the capacity to make me unwell or well, to create physical affliction or ease, to create mental suffering or happiness. And why is it that just because we know we should be positive, that we don't find ourselves able to be. So it is not the case that just to have the idea of ourselves as extraordinary is going to turn our life into that. We have to walk the journey out of a lifetime of conditioning and free ourselves from it. That tail end that most human beings have to experience anticipate of a decay in health as well as aging which is extending it's not now expected that just maybe the last year or two of our life we experience ill, Ill health it's expected now that the, at least 10 years on average a human being experiences ill health at the end of their life that is an extraordinary thing and it is the result of what we have added over a lifetime as impedance in our system that stops us functioning properly. Now, many of you over the winter will have followed 
my internal alchemy program. That is an extremely important aspect of our well-being practice. What we're now going to go on and do is look at how our conscious conditioning or unconscious conditioning is limiting, holding back our capacity to express ourselves fully as this extraordinary being that we are. So, the healing mechanism the healing process that I want to steer you into involves, to a degree, bringing ourselves into a coherent state as we learn in internal alchemy. This is important. It's hugely important. And it involves, to a degree, largely, what I teach you when I teach you Vipassana, which is the process of purifying or re transforming and letting go the negative habit patterns of the mind are conditioning. And it is the process of reapplying back to this body that transformed mind so that we can dig out at the root the layers of volitional karmic energy that won't get cleared just by doing internal alchemy practice. Conditioning is the result of how we have reacted to our experiences. That reaction is volition. It is volition that the Buddha calls karma. So when we talk about karma, let's absolutely get out of the way the idea that it is some force externally that is working upon me it is the charge that I have accumulated on account of the way I've reacted in the past that is conditioning my experience now this is the mechanism we need to understand clearly and unpick so we can free ourselves of it it is the deepest layer of our conditioned being and the one that impacts upon us more strongly than anything else. And this is what we need to dig deep and free ourselves of to bring about the most profound healing. Are you with me? All right. Okay. So I've taught you, most of you will have done at least enough meditation with me to learn how to connect to that part of you that is already completely awake. That basic ground of your being as pure awareness has never been afflicted in the slightest But we are not experiencing only that. We are experiencing what we added to that. That distorted its capacity to be reflected through us. It is not enough 
to just know that our nature is as the Buddha, fully enlightened, complete, because we are prone to this idea of ourselves that we have become intoxicated with and its tendencies to disturb, disrupt, reject, and get in a muddle with what happens to us. So, it's wonderful to know that there is this ground within us that is not afflicted. And it's a huge relief to find refuge in it and know that we can return there. But do we spend all day, our entire life, abiding in that state of consciousness? No, of course we don't. So we have to be willing to look a little bit down the rabbit hole and see what we, what a muddle we got into whilst we have been down there. And let it go. So it's not impacting upon us to the point that we would forget what is our true nature. That said, the best way to start is to make that connection to that fundamental ground of us that is profoundly all right. So that when we do experience that part of us that is still struggling, we know it's just a conditioned thing. I don't need to worry too much. It's only momentarily in the way. All right? <laughs> 